Welcome to Dear Dual Perspective. I'm Dr. Emma Eaton. I'm a registered clinical psychologist. And I'm Dr. Sarah McFinnells, a policy researcher. So we'll answer your questions from the micro perspective of individual relationship dynamics based on Emma's clinical training and the macro perspective of social trends based on Sarah's policy background. You can submit your anonymous questions through the link in the podcast description, and we'll answer one question in each upcoming episode. Well, we're back and we have a question here that actually got a little bit lost in our question box for a bit. I think this one was submitted quite a while ago. So thank you for your patience, listener who submitted this one. Our question is, why is it so difficult to make friends as an adult, especially while having a difficult time? Difficult time being along the lines of going through a divorce, intense grief, mental health crisis, diagnosis of a physical or psychological condition, etc. So thank you for this question. I think there's some there's lots here that we could talk about. I looked up some statistics, as is my favorite thing to do to open an episode. And about 8% of Canadian adults meet the criteria for PTSD. And that was in a StatsCan survey in 2021. If you're 35 right now, the probability of getting divorced within the next 40 years is about 24, 25%. And up to 40% of Canadians become disabled for 90 days or longer before age 65. So basically, all of those are fairly helpful for illustrating that a lot of these difficult times are actually relatively common. And I thought that might be a kind of good place to start this episode is that if you're going through something like that, a lot of people are also going through it. And you're probably going to find a fair amount of upheaval in your personal relationships related to those difficult times. So Emma, you had some thoughts and I thought maybe you'd want to take us from here. Sure. Yeah. Um, Thanks for that introduction, Sarah. I think it's really normalizing for people to understand that particularly with depression, disability, a lot of those things are not what people are celebrating on social media uh, Mm -hmm. for the most part. Um, And so it can feel really isolating and like you're really alone. We were talking about this uh, moment I had in the lunchroom the other day where someone walked in and someone else was like, how are you doing? And they were like, I'm very medium. And that other person was like, I am also very medium. And I, th- I feel like now it's becoming a bit more easy and accepted to talk about these things, but it's still hard, especially when you're trying to make friends to broach that. Mm-hmm. I just want to, I know it says this in our preamble, but I want to reiterate that like, this isn't therapy. Like if, if what you're hoping for Um, out of this is to, you know, get some specific therapeutic skills uh, for yourself or if anyone listening is hoping for that. Um, I'm going to give some general tips and tricks, uh, but I would really encourage everyone to seek out their own uh, mental health resources wherever they are. Certainly in Whitehorse, there are government, NGO and private resources Mm -hmm. if if necessary. And we acknowledge that these are really expensive and Mm -hmm. it's unfortunate that they're not always covered within a healthcare system. So if you're able to access those through like an employee assistance plan and through work, if you have one, the Canadian Mental Health Association sometimes offers support that can be free. Uh, Please seek those out as well. So uh, one of the things that I wanted to, we did kind of touch on like making friends as an adult in a previous episode. So we wanted to really focus on the like, especially while having a difficult time part in Mm -hmm. this one. Not because it's not hard to make friends as an adult. It is It is hard. Um, mm-hmm. But I think for a lot of the reasons that Sarah just mentioned, a lot of those are common situations. Well, and I think like it's hard to make friends as an adult, but if you're struggling a bit yourself and maybe not able to bring like your A-game to that burgeoning relationship, I think that's like playing it on like 
extra hard difficulty mm. mode. And so I think there are a couple things that I wanted to talk about. One was the is is this is this a big life event that mm-hmm. might have changed really fundamentally like what you and your friends have in common or why you'd be hanging out. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were a couple pieces in there, um, divorce, uh, disability diagnosis or a diagnosis of another physical condition, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, like I think you mentioned too when we were sort of having our pregame chat, <laughs> as we yeah. always we do always before do, we yeah. turn these mics on, that like if you have friends who are all hikers and that's the main thing that you do with them or mountain bikers or something like that, super physical. And then now you've recently been diagnosed with a condition that prevents you from participating in those activities. That's really going to change the nature of all of your friendships. Mm -hmm. And you might still have friends, be friends with those folks, but it's going to be a lot harder. It's a complete change in your usual rhythm of your interactions. Yeah. It's not to say that like friends are, are only have these little things in common, but Probably when I think about like friend circles that I have, there are a lot of people who like I, I really like and care about um, mm-hmm. and we do these things together. And if we didn't do those things together, we might not hang out that much, including people sometimes that I work mm-hmm. with. Right. Like I love seeing them at work. But then sometimes we, you know, have you, have you ever had that experience where you like you're like, I really like this person. You try to hang out with them and mm-hmm. the magic just isn't really there. Yeah, I don't know if it's so much that I don't, it's hard for me to relate to that, I guess, because I just don't have time to hang out with people Mm. on a super regular basis. Yeah, right now, like my work is very busy. And my kids are very busy. Like I part of why you and I started doing this little project was because it was a really good reason to make sure we saw each other at least every two weeks, right. And so I think that is a piece of it too. It's just folks are have a lot going on. And then if you're dealing with some of these upheavals, then you have even more taking up a lot of your like emotional bandwidth. Yeah, for sure. I think what I wanted to really touch on there is that there's a lot of people in my life. And I, I remember this even thinking back in high school, like people mm-hmm. that I liked that I was like, oh, like they're a great time. And then I would hang out with them one-on-one and it wouldn't really Just click. didn't gel, yeah. And it wasn't that I did like, I liked them fine after that too. But I think a lot of people, like the bulk of what makes up their friend groups is stuff that people have in common. And if you don't have mm. that stuff in common anymore, it's just really hard yeah. to, to carry that forward. Yeah. Um, the, and you lose those um, more informal, more regular interactions. Like mm-hmm. if you always go to the Dirt Girls mountain bike nights mm-hmm. and now you can't go anymore, then you lose that regular touch in where people just show up. And those are things are really like that social capital glue that holds friendships together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. The, the kind of, I, I hate to silver lining this because I, I think that it's really hard to have someone do that when you're having such a difficult time. But I do want to say if there's been a big change in your life, there might have also been a big change in, you know, a, a bit more of a fundamental part of who you are. And I think what's always been really helpful for me and what I used to do a lot um, when I had uh, practice um, a, a psychological practice was to go back to people's values and, mm-hmm. and really think about, okay, if these are my core, what are my core values? And then if these are my core values, like how do I want to spend my time? And, and I want to be around other people who have my core values. So for example, mm-hmm. when I moved here, I had moved here from England where I had been doing my doctorate. I had a really tight circle of friends there mm-hmm. in England. Some of them lived in Scotland. Some of them lived in 
England and we were all kind of, a lot of, the, of us were on this course together. Um, and I saw them all the time, right? For all the yeah. things that you just said, like we were totally. in this course together every day and we were doing yeah. all the same assignments. And You had a lot um, of like shared connections about a very intense training program. Yeah, and we all liked the same thing, like yeah. a lot, right? Um, totally. And, <laughs> and so I moved here and I like didn't know, like I don't know, I don't know where to meet those people again. Yeah. And so I was kind of a bit like, and we, <laughs> this is like a really long story, but we were living way out of town. Oh no, and that's the worst when you're new somewhere. It makes it so hard to go places, especially yeah, in the winter I, when it's dark and cold. My husband was working a lot of overtime and I was, it was just me and this dog. We were dog sitting oh, no. <laughs> the whole time. And I was like, what am I gonna do? And I was yeah. like, what's really important to me? Like what's a, what's a core value, a thing mm -hmm. that I could connect to someone on? Um, and I was like, feminism. I really care about feminism. Mm -hmm. I had just done part of my doctorate sort of in a feminist specialty. I was like, I, I'll Google like Yukon feminist. Fortunately, there are several Yukon feminist groups. Yes, quite a few. <laughs> um, probably like more per capita than a lot of places. Um, and so well, we, we have more, I think, NGOs per capita than a lot of places. Like we have a very large NGO sector here, interestingly. Fun Yukon fact. Well, because everyone cares so much about community mm -hmm. and they have a real sense of empowerment. It's part totally. of why I love living here. But anyway, this is a really long tangent, but I found a local NGO that just really like their whole thing is feminism. Um, mm -hmm. And I joined that board and I did make some friends on mm -hmm. that board. Totally. And, and it was really, and it was also just like a great way to spend my time where I felt like fulfilled. I felt I'd done something useful. Mm -hmm. um, I got some connections. I got yeah. work out of it. I wound up getting a, a bit of a job out of it where I made some more friends. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of think there's a tool you can Google like personal values card sort. It's free. There's probably one online that like you could do the whole thing online. But this like one, an app so you don't have to cut out paper. Yeah. But if you're into a little, a little bit of arts and crafts, <laughs> um, <laughs> you can like print this thing out. It's got all kinds of values. And you basically just sort them into three piles, like really important to me, mm -hmm. important to me, and not important. You take the really important pile and you just try to narrow that down to seven to 10 of the most important ones. And then think about, okay, if I was living my life according to these values, what would I be doing? Mm -hmm. Who are you spending your time with? Mm -hmm. Probably people in a similar space. And how were you spending your time? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I, I kind of think, I, I don't know if this person wanted to hear why is it so difficult to make friends or like how could i make friends yeah um but i think that you know really thinking about not just oh, i need to make a friend that's like that could be anyone <laughs> yeah stacking the deck as where it were where are you going to find people where your odds of having that shared connection are higher mm -hmm. which makes sense i also think when i read through this question what really struck me was that this listener really what they want is support and they're viewing friendship as a way to get that support in coping with this difficult life event. I have seen groups like group sessions that are geared towards grief or geared towards um, coping with a divorce or coping with a life altering health diagnosis. And those support groups or therapy groups for depression or um, other mental health concerns might be a really awesome space for this listener at this point in their in their life. There are folks there who are dealing with kind of the same type of thing. It's a great way to get support. It gets you out of your house. It builds a social connection. It probably won't get you friendships, but it would maybe address the deeper underlying need that this person is trying to address, mm -hmm. which to me sounded more like support than really friendship. It's really hard to be in a space where you can have some mutuality in, in your connection with people when you're dealing with something really, really difficult and life-changing like this. 
I, I think it can be, and I think it can also be a time of like really great change. So I think it kind of mm. depends on exactly where they are in the, in yeah. the connection. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. I also think if people are like, I think people have seen a lot of group therapy online or on films or mm. something and everyone's sitting around a circle and they're like, oh, no, not for me. Um, but, you know, actually one thing that a lot of group treatment has switched to is really more of like a workshop style mm. where you like... You, there maybe there's some stuff you do at home or activities you try mm. out at home, but you kind of come back and you talk about in the group with a facilitator. And so you're yeah. not all sitting in a circle. You're it's more like a classroom setup, but it's mm-hmm. really interactive. They try to make it fun. And I know also in Whitehorse, there's a lot of those that are offered for free. Yeah. And so if if <laughs> if listener, you mm-hmm. were like a bit like oh, a support group. I don't want to have to talk about this. Yeah. There's there's a lot of different ways to do that that could be more or less involved in terms of sharing your own story Mm -hmm. yeah it just seems like it could be a really good a really nice way for this person to get some of the support that it sounds like they could benefit from right now i also think there's a couple there's a couple more things in here it seems like especially in divorces people inevitably end up picking sides i know that Mm. sucks and i also think when these things are happening to you especially something like a divorce like it is changing literally your entire life like you're you probably have to find a new place to live the the future you thought you were going to have is now no longer there. Mm. You know, you might be trying to deal with how do you sort belongings? How do you set up a new household? How do you, you know, relate to your friend group in a way that's new because you don't have this person who was your other half, so to speak. And I was chatting recently with a friend who underwent a divorce in the last couple of years. And she's now was saying, wow, like I'm finally thrilled that it was literally all I talked about for so long. And it's, it's like, well, yeah, but that was pretty all-consuming for a really long period of time. Like, obviously, it was the thing that was most top of mind for you. But I think there's also a piece where, like, it kind of becomes overwhelming. And it's kind of the only thing you can talk about while you're going through it or really think about. It's taking up all of your bandwidth in terms of, like, logistics as well as emotions for quite a long period of time. Mm. And I think that can also make it really challenging to keep up with what's going on with other people around you, or even when you're trying really hard to do that, or even just kind of getting out and doing other things because you're so tied up in logistical and emotional stuff and untangling that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I certainly haven't had that exact experience. Mm -hmm. I haven't gone through a divorce. Mm. I do. Me neither. I'm just relaying this from other people I've spoken with. I don't, Mm -hmm. I haven't been through it myself. Yeah, I do like to empathize with with Mm -hmm. everything whenever I have a client. And, And when I think about other times that I've been going through something that's like, a mm-hmm. lot and just like every time someone's like oh what's new you're just like oh this thing that's not new <laughs> literally it's just, nothing just oh, a new part of old crappy thing this thing and yeah. and i feel like in that moment people a lot of the times forget about like actually you don't really need to answer that mm-hmm. question and you can just use other kind of conversation skills which i admit that i am like not you'd think i would be but i am actually not great at small talk. <laughs> um but I I think that, you know, like kind of, oh, you know, very, nothing's really new, same old, same old, um, mm-hmm. but like asking people about themselves, yeah. giving them a compliment to open mm-hmm. up something about like, yeah. oh, where'd you get your sweater? You look so lovely today. I had a yeah. huge, long conversation about buying clothes at Superstore the other day. Oh, um, there you go. <laughs> just, just from complimenting someone's blazer, which was surprisingly nice oh. uh, for Superstore, like astonishingly nice. Well, anyway. Have to check um, it out. Next time I'm picking up more bananas because my children eat 17 pounds of bananas a week. 
Who's <laughs> dumb? Yeah. But yeah, I think like trying to. It, the conversation doesn't have to be about the question that started no, the conversation and finding ways to just redirect the conversation. People love being asked about themselves, talking about themselves or talking about mm-hmm. their kids or other things of interest in their mm-hmm. lives. And so just asking stuff about their lives, um, I actually can get so like anxious and caught up in like conversations that I realized later. I'm like, I didn't ask that person a single question. Mm-hmm. I just like answered things. And I think that, you know, just keeping that in mind, mm-hmm. especially when you're feeling sensitive about this, you're like, I don't really want to talk to this person at work about yeah. the way divorce is going. Legit, especially at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And I think those, yeah, my favorite is if someone has any upcoming travel plans. That's my favorite small talk question. Now I've given away all my secrets <laughs> to the people that listen to this on CJC. Oh my gosh, there's so much you could get into that, with that actually. Totally. There's so many reasons that you wouldn't be traveling. Exactly. Or, you know. Anyway, and it can be local travel. It doesn't have to be far away travel, especially camping season. Lots of people have a trip that they're planning for like the following weekend that they are delighted to talk about. So yeah, yeah, that's my favorite, favorite small talky question. Um, the second thing, the second part of this question that I wanted to get into um, was specifically focusing on the mental health aspects of it. Um, because I really wanted to talk about internal dialogues Mm. and like negative thoughts that are really a part of some of the mental health diagnoses depression was one that was mentioned Mm -hmm. um but it would be for a lot of other mental health diagnoses as well that Mm -hmm. um it's it's part of like the diagnostic criteria right to like if you're depressed you just have a bit of a more negative outlook Mm -hmm. on things totally um and I think this is something that even <clears throat> folks who don't meet those clinical definitions often have stuff we could work on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, always positive self-talk is a good a good one to be thinking about and spending some time working yeah. on. Yeah, and then also just think like monitoring your own mm-hmm. thoughts and, and thinking a little bit about whether or not those thoughts are opinions or facts. Yes. Um, and you can also, there's like a really easy worksheet you can Google um, if you Google dbt check the facts Mm. and it's basically just kind of like a checklist about whether or not what you've decided the situation is is really that way because if you've if you've decided something is a certain way and it's affecting your mood so particularly Mm -hmm. when you notice a very uncomfortable mood happening yeah really thinking about like is this an opinion or Mm -hmm. a you know perspective i have or is this really a fact. Uh, another way to look at this would be in CBT where you do some thought uh, checking worksheets. Mm-hmm. So the one that we often like kind of classically use is like you you walk into a party and everyone looks at you and maybe someone who's got a lot of negative thoughts going on mm-hmm. is thinking like, oh, everyone thinks I look so stupid. Like I shouldn't have worn this shirt or like mm-hmm. everyone's trying to look at me and being like, why is she here? Right. No one likes me. But really like Okay, the reality is, is that when people, like when a door opens, people look at it. Yeah. Um, Who's there? Oh, someone I haven't met yet. Cool. It's probably what went through most people's minds. The reality is, is that people's perceptions of other people walking to that party are probably by and large, either neutral or positive. Absolutely. If someone invited you, they they probably want you to come. Mm -hmm. And spite invites aren't really a thing. 
Un, it's unusual. Very unusual outside <laughs> of bad movies. Yeah. Highly unusual. Um, and then a lot of other people who are there, like, probably just are, you know, a bit neutral to the fact mm-hmm. that there's someone that they don't yeah, know. They're like a new person. Yeah. Normal thing to happen in parties. And so really going through, if, if you took this thought to court, mm-hmm. what would be the evidence for it? Mm-hmm. And what would be the evidence against it? And then trying to determine what a new thought might be. So... If you're thought about like, oh, I'm trying to make new friends and you're like, oh, but no one, why would anyone like me? I'm so boring and I'm not a very good person. Yeah, that sounds very like a very negatively opinionated thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it might be worthwhile. And this is, again, like something that a lot of therapists will do with you if you have a hard time doing it on your own. Um, there's probably actually some AI out there that'll do it with you too. <laughs> we have an episode on that too. Our thoughts yeah. on the AI. <laughs> um, there's actually there's some good evidence for like low level interventions um, like this, but it can be pretty transformative, right? When you mm-hmm. really take that thought to court and put mm-hmm. it on trial and say, okay, what's the evidence for and what's the evidence against and and what's a really more balanced analysis of this situation? Yeah. And so again, some of these things are just not going to feel doable without maybe a support person present and so do feel free to access therapy also um there's a new it's a it's a suicide hotline um Mm -hmm. but it's 988 so if you dial that anywhere in canada um but you know if you call that then they might also be able to refer you to some free resources in your uh, area Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of these interventions are in workbooks or on, available online. And yeah. so you can do a bit of Googling beforehand. Sometimes it's just knowing what to search for. So I think the fact mm-hmm. that you've named these concepts really clearly and specifically, I think is really helpful for people. So thanks for that. Mm. Yeah, I, I have a lot of empathy for this listener. Like it really does sound like they're going through a really tough period of time that feels probably fairly dark. Mm-hmm. And I hope that the suggestions that you've been able to offer Emma with like the living in line with your values and determining kind of how to come through on the other side and meet people that you'll want to connect with and be able to make friends with, I think hopefully will help them. I, I hope so too. I think what I really want to reinforce is that like, it's, it's not just you, like a lot of people, mm-hmm. like Sarah said in the statistics beginning, a lot of people are going through these things. And also um, these whatever it is that you're going through is not the totality of your existence or like worth or uh, personality as a human being, right? There's Mm -hmm. a lot of other stuff that makes you, you. Um, And so whether you do that, figure it out through journaling, whether you talk to therapists, whether you talk to like other friends that you have or family members, you know, it's worth remembering that, that like it can feel very all consuming or that this is the only thing you have going on right now, but it's just probably not and really listening to some of those thoughts and remembering like thoughts are thoughts, they're not facts. Mm -hmm. That's it for the latest episode of Dear Dual Perspective. We'd love to hear from you. You can submit your anonymous question for a future episode in the link in our Spotify podcast description or in our Instagram bio. Follow us at Dear Dual Perspective. Music for this episode was provided by Coma Media on Pixabay. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or hear us on CJUC, Whitehorse Community Radio, on Wednesdays from 8 to 9 p.m. Thanks for listening.